When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Well, hello, hello. It's been a few years since we heard that tune play out. It's caucus again. It must be 2020, a new election season and a new season of caucus. Welcome, everybody. Thanks, Tim. I'm Tim Watkin, uh, and this is... Lisa Owen. Guy and Espiner. And we've got a new uh, friend joining us uh, this election. Uh, come in from Tauranga, Scott Campbell. Tēnā koe te parata, tēnā koutou katoa Good morning. Kia ora. We've, uh, we've increased our caucus by 25%, if, that's, if my maths isn't as dreadful as it was That's last a good time. first turn, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. We're it's a win. It's a win. We're a, win. a, win. We're a, a win. united caucus. We haven't met very often, so we haven't had many arguments. The One house... of us is not inside the room, though, so that's pretty, <laughs> pretty telling. You're, you're, you're a member outside a cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> the House is rising today, and so the campaign um, is starting to get serious, so it's time for us to, um, to start kicking into gear. Um, thanks to all the people who have been asking when caucus will be coming back. Um, we're delighted to be here. Um, we wanted to start today with a run-through, a state of the parties, looking at where we kick off this campaign. So, guys, there's a, you know, there's a government um, which is Labour-led, although Winston Peters never likes it to be described like that, coalition government. Um, let's start quickly with Labour. Um, where do we see them sitting going? Oh, well, they are campaigning... <laughs> On continuation, really. I mean, last time they campaigned for transformation. Um, You can argue about how much they actually got done before COVID. There's not a lot of legacy stuff there. But if they campaigned on transformation last time, this time they're campaigning on continuation. They're saying they're not really going to uh, do a lot. We shouldn't expect much policy at all. Um, So they're really campaigning on just being managers and managing COVID-19. Yeah, I find that really interesting because every incumbent government is managing the country during the election campaign. That's what you do. So I understand that this is a one in 100 year situation. But you go to the Labour Party website and you look for the policy tab. It'll take you a while to find it. I couldn't actually find it. It, There's a section for their news and their achievements, which reinforces what you're saying, Guy, on that they're campaigning on... They're looking backwards. Steadying the ship. We've steadied the ship. Here's what we've done. There's lists of things there, but they're not new policies. They're not forward-looking. It's not what we're going to do next time round should we be elected into government again. It is a list of things that they have done to to keep this country as they would say, moving forward during the pandemic. Scott, we'll get your take on that, but let's listen, because Jacinda Ardern's been talking about just this very point this week um, on Morning Report. What we'll be doing over this election period is, yes, adding some additional aspects, but I would flag to voters not to expect to see large-scale manifestos that are a significant departure from what we're doing, you know, because ultimately what needs to be done, we are already rolling out. It's all fine. They're already doing it, Scotty. 
Yeah, and why would she change? Uh, you, you've got a Prime Minister who's riding high uh, on confidence from the public. And while COVID is our immediate focus, let's not forget that she's also been through a terrorist attack with a gunman in Christchurch. She's also been through managing Fakati and the eruption down in White Highland. So as far as a let's just keep moving, the confidence factor, they would be silly to actually move away from that as a focus. Why not just run on, trust us? Because effectively, that's what their campaign's going to be. Trust us to keep things moving. Um, or that that almost be um, unwise to introduce some policy that might then trip them up. That, and what we saw going into the last election is that they, they spouted off 100,000 homes under Kiwi Build and failed miserably. And that was a huge policy before the last election. So I think it's smart for them. Will it work? Um, it, it might be one of those ones where they have to be careful of not doing anything. And, you know, you go into a rugby game and you might be up uh, with 20 minutes to go by 30 points and all of a sudden you take the foot off the pedal and you lose. Oh, that's that, that but... semi-final against yeah. France at Twickenham, isn't it? You're, you're... <laughs> they, they are running down the clock, um, to, to use that sporting analogy. And, and I agree with uh, Scotty that that probably is a politically wise strategy. My fear is is that we're going to get into another term, most likely with a Labour-led government, right? Let's face it, that that's where the polls are, are saying. And that there's going to be a crunch time of reckoning because what no-one is saying is how are we going to get out of this hole? And I know we'll talk more about the COVID and the economy shortly, but what is the strategy to get us out of this debt track? What is the strategy to replace export education yep. and tourism? Um, and are we going to have a big reckoning moment where no one's actually told us what this plan is? And, and I reckon that you're right. That, that'll be, But I think that'll be a big focus of the campaign, right? I think all the parties are saying the only thing they want to talk about the campaign is how we get out of COVID and how we deal with planet pandemic. But to, to, to play devil's advocate to what you're saying, yeah, look, strategically I get... You, you, you. If you're Labour, you think we want to look like we're governing, and that's going to win us. It's working for them. They're 53, they're 55, they're 60 percent in the polls. But equally, if you're a Labour supporter, you're going. This is this is. These are the kind of numbers that Mickey Savage enjoyed, right? 1938 election. He came in with his only time that the national that Labour's ever got more than 50 percent in an election. He and and what do you know what he did with that second term? He brought in the Social Security Act, free health, free education, all this, you know, superannuation. Are they? Is there, from a Labour Party point of view, there must be some pressure within the party to spend this political capital? They've got this once in a several lifetimes opportunity to go big, haven't they? You wonder if it's going to be the income insurance because Grant Robertson has talked about the fact that, again, he reiterated, even um, as recently this morning on Morning Report, that don't expect big policy rollouts was, was what he was saying. But then he said, but you will hear a bit more on the campaign and obviously they're not launching until this weekend. No. But, uh, so there's still plenty of time. The, the CTU um, went to the government and, and talked to them about this prospect of income insurance, basically. And Grant Robertson has said, yeah, we've been working on it. He was asked whether, well, are you going to announce, are you going to campaign on that? And he said, oh, well, you know, you might hear something. And... I think that that would be a particular policy. Obviously, they had um, 
promised by signing up to the deals that they did with the Green Party, transformational change in terms of welfare. Oh, yeah. And they would the overhaul it. of welfare. Yeah. yeah. And, and I suppose it entirely just depends on your subjective definition of what transformation is because they gave a $25 benefit boost. They have tagged um, increases to benefits to um, the wage, which some people have campaigned on or been asking for for ages. They've almost doubled the winter energy payment. They would argue that they have done a number of things. A lot of those things came about because of COVID, though. Because obviously they had their own welfare review, which had about 43 recommendations, and really a handful of those were done. So transformation, a big policy. Maybe we can anticipate one flagship policy as Scotty says, but not something like Kiwi Build, which they will kneecap themselves with. Yeah, but I also think we we are forgetting as well too, though it wasn't too long ago that they released the Heather Simpson review into the health and disability sector, which will have a huge change over DHBs and how health is delivered to on the ground to people. That will be something that is actually going to be a big policy change and the way that the the new government, let's say Labour, is returned, um, how they roll that out, that will see some significant change on the ground for health uh, and the way it's delivered. You know, one of the other things is this water reform, and it's sort of almost by stealth that this is snuck in, uh, and it'll be the three waters around around the country that will start to be centralised or at least regionalised. This is this idea of where national almost gives everything out to the individual or out to um, out to the locals and Labour starts to bring it back to Wellington <laughs> uh, and they're regionalising. And I think we'll see a lot of that next year. We just haven't focused on it. Yeah, fair play. Um, what about these poll numbers? Do you reckon, I mean, do we, we're starting off, let's make some, we don't have to be predictions, but where do you think? Can Labour stay above 50%? This is, you know, back in 2002, Clark toyed with the idea of a majority and people, you know, kind of came in quite hard and, and spread the vote. Um, and she didn't get that key, even in his pomp, right? Couldn't get above 47%. Could 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 they actually defy gravity? You'd have to say they have the best chance of um, getting above 50. Um, why I say that is because in, in other elections where the uh, opposing major party, in this case it's national, has been weaker, we've seen a, a split off to the minor parties. Yep. You know, if you go back to the nadir of the National Party in 02, where Bill English got 20-odd percent of the vote, you know, you had United Future Act and New Zealand First all being the beneficiaries of this. What you're seeing now is a, is it's slopping between the red and the blue buckets. The, 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 the vote that Simon Bridges' National Party has lost has gone to to Labour. Which um, is fascinating, isn't it? Because, because if you go back again, when when Key was was dominating, getting those forty sevens, and Labor was was doing so badly, um, there was you know about twenty percent of the vote was with New Zealand First and the Greens. At the moment, we're looking at about ten percent of the vote with New Zealand First and the Greens. So they're not yet picking up that that disaffected vote. It's sitting with or that uh, that swing vote yeah. is sitting with Labor still. My own that. theory on this is that in a time of crisis um, like COVID is, and you can look around the world and you can look just across the ditch and see some pretty uh, awful scenarios that people don't want here, that people are possibly sticking with the two big old brands a bit more and that it might be a little harder for the minor parties um, to, to get more traction because people don't feel that they have the luxury. It's a bit like the sort of flight to gold you get in an economic <laughs> crisis, if you like. Yeah. Um, so th- that's my theory on it anyway. I mean, who who knows? But I, I would have thought um, it's going to, 
be a real struggle for Labor to get um, over 50. It hasn't been done under MMP, but in any circumstances, this would probably be the best of them. Yeah, I think it's kind of interesting, the, the point you raise about the minor parties. The real benefactor here is the ACT Party with the potential to bring in quite a few yeah. of on their list. And I think the interesting thing about that is if you went around and asked people who was on ACT's list, they would be like... <laughs> what? You know, so you're starting to get into the territory. And even on the numbers that we're seeing with the polling with Labour, on their list, you're starting to get into the territory where you think, who are those people? What experience do they have? Yes. How will they be as MPs? But I'm and we know that parties have had trouble with, you know, depth, lists at depth. Before. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, Scotty, what about the Māori Party? Are they coming back or not? They're gaining a following, uh, and I think they've done a great job over the last three years of um, reimagining who they are and, and, and their target base. Um, they, I think they're quite a different party this time around than what they were uh, under Tudor or Flavel in the last election. Um, and I think you can you can see that in their advertising, even just in the, the type of kākahu that, that they're wearing, the, the clothes. They almost, um, some of them are like cloaks. They're, they're quite... Mm-hmm. Um, take you back to um, the traditional way of Māoridom. And I think they're going after that vote of the people who were standing at Ihumatau, as an example. Um, the people who are um, are out there and, and protesting on a regular basis. It almost seems a little bit more like the Hone Harawera style of campaigning uh, than the Tirudo Flavel and the Tariana Turia. Um, and, Does and that lose them hear. some of those Flavel voters? Yeah, I, I think it will, um, because every every second word at the moment out of the co-leaders is that's racist. This is racism. It's whether it's the TVNZ uh, leaders debate or the or the political debate that's racist, or whether it's Todd Muller who was racist. Everybody's racist, uh, and there is a uh, an element of Māoridom who don't necessarily like that push. So, I think that they'll um, they've got a strong uh, brand. Whether or not it'll get them there, I, I don't think so at this election. And John Tomahiri, I mean, he was one of those who opposed that kind of language and that kind of style in the past, wasn't he? Do you see him as a strange mix there? Well, he's he's one of those ones who at the moment is talking about, um, you know, you're assimilated underneath the Labour brand, but he, he wasn't saying that while he was sitting in the back of the Crown limo. All those <laughs> no, no, I can't um, remember his, I mean, his brand as a politician and as a broadcaster was pretty, you know, a, a very much the anti-PC guy, right? Oh, I think it's great that they that they are going to be strong because there is a need for that voice in Māoridom. And I think that they've got a really um, important role to play. I think to Guyan's point before around um, in a time of crisis, and Māori did this at the last election, when there was a, a feeling that the Māori party wasn't really delivering or um, wasn't as solid, Māori went back to Labour and in their droves and seven seats to Labour. And at the moment... Māori seem to trust the Prime Minister uh, and unless something major happens over the next six weeks I can't see them losing, Labour losing one of those seats. None of them, so what's the best shot do you reckon for the Māori Party is it Ngāri Wapaka or yeah, Nari Wapaka, so, so the, the co-leader down in Te Taihuauru is probably the best shot but then um, Howie Tamati had a good go at that seat uh, at the last election as well too and mm. Yeah, when you look at the heartland of that electorate, it's Porirua and it's Ratana, and they are Labour through and through. So, that's a good point. Hey, it's a big seat. I, I just want to circle back to the, what we were talking about in terms of policy and also the lead up to um, what people consider polling day. The reality is that people can start voting from the 7th of September. So, this a is a month away. Yeah, advanced voting. So, we've got uh, the clock is ticking down. 
I can't find a policy page on Labour. We'll give, um, forget whether you agree with the policies or not. On National's website, you can find some policy. Greens, all laid out there. 52-odd pages, every policy you can imagine, defence, et cetera, et cetera. We had a quick look at New Zealand First this morning on their webpage. There wasn't one policy on there, I love this. You click on the policy tab and it comes up with coalition agreement and it's basically... Yeah. A three-year-old document. So it's it's interesting, though, th- th- those, two, those two parties, I mean, the Greens lay out all their policy, but they've been pretty bad at negotiating and pushing hard for actually getting it over the line. I mean, it's one thing to have um, pages of policy. It's another thing to actually uh, implement it and, and that where they've fallen over. And good on them for putting it out there, as you, as you say. You've you got to know what you're, what you're voting on. They just haven't been particularly good at um, getting those policies over the and line. They will blame negotiating New, and they will blame New Zealand first. And their, their great, great hope at this election is yeah. that is they can form a, a coalition with Labour on its own after the, the election and uh, and not have to deal with New Zealand first. Well, let's talk, talking about chaos, let, let's talk about them. Are they going to be there? Lisa, what do you think? Gut feeling is no because of the trend in polling um, and the numbers are very low, but I always have that thought in the back of my head that you can never rule Winston Peters out. No. Except, hello, in, in 2008. But so, yeah. I just, the, the, he hasn't got the tools on the table that he usually has, right? He can always fall back on immigration in an election campaign, but he can't now. I mean, immigration is literally zero. So he's he still using play. it, though. I know, he's I know, still pulling he that pull, lever. He wants the portfolio now. <laughs> the, people, the border's closed. Yes, his, his, first, his first bottom line. And I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure sometime during the series I will bring out my, my list of Winston Peters' bottom lines over the years, which I still collect. Um, but you've yes, got it in the boot, haven't you, mate? <laughs> yeah. Go down to the, into the basement. He's got, he's, he's got his first bottom line. Is, yes, Scotty's got, got it in the Ministry of Bureau. Have you got yeah. it there? <laughs> Oh, it's plastered all over the billboards outside yeah. down on the road in Tauranga. Well, what, what do you anything. think, though? Because you're, you're sitting where his old seat, remember where he used to say, oh, I'm happy to be the member for Tauranga back, <laughs> back, back in the day, and he held the seat for many years, and I don't know, must be still a sort of a you know bit of support base. What are you hearing from? Yeah, there, I think there is definitely a bit hmm. of support base still there. Um, but I do, I have heard that a number of those people are going to vote Labour at this time as well too, though. Um, I wonder, though, whether... The sort of Kiwi idea of not giving some party or one, any one party all of the power mm. will come into his playbook nearing the end of this campaign, where it is almost you can't allow Labour and the Greens to govern this. We well, need to be the moderator. And he started is, that already. Let's let's listen, this is his whole line. Yeah, let's, let's listen to what Winston Peters said at his campaign launch uh, a few weeks ago. Because there are enormous dangers in some of the views that you're hearing right now. Voters don't believe we can spend our way out of this. Those who say we can are setting the country up for economic disaster. New Zealand First is the insurance voters need to avoid an ideological lurch in either direction. So this is the thing. He's he's saying he's the insurance. He's the handbrake. It's a good strategy. It's the only, but that's the only strategy he's got now, right? It it is, um, and it's really difficult. It's like a Houdini type of exercise. You know, you're at the bottom of the swimming pool with a coven locked up around your um, box, and you're trying to get out of it. And that's what he has to do every time he's in government. He has to get from within government. 
um, claim he's part of the opposition and to, to try and get back into government. I mean, it's quite a, it's 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 a pretty um, fiendishly hard thing to do, and he's been he's been. I mean, if, if anyone can do it, I guess it, it's it's him. But how do you play off the left and right like line, like he said there? You know, we difficult you because the right is not. You know, his numbers and Nationals' numbers don't don't add up, so he can't. Especially and National no, are saying they won't go with him. Yeah, so that's it's it, it is really difficult. I mean, but the best strategy he's got, and it's the one he's using, is to say. Well, a, a, a Labour Green government is going to be too yeah. radical, and you need me um, to be the voice of common sense. But he, it's difficult for him to do that because he's also got these other little parties that are nipping at his heels and nipping into the in, into the vote as, as as well. So yeah, the forces are really um, aligned against him, but he's quite comfortable in that space, I would imagine. I mean, National have ruled him out, and the other thing is that. He's because he, they haven't made themselves popular with the other parties. I mean, I do you think Labour would want him back if they if they have the choice? Mind it, no. I, everything I hear around Labour is that they they would rather be rid well, of them. Well, yeah, of course they of course they would be. Um, uh, the Prime Minister is very diplomatic about that, though. Whereas I found it really interesting that James Shaw has come out really yeah. and called a spade. A spade. Yeah, although when you listen, I, I, yeah, that's been interesting. It's really fascinating to watch that, and they've been um, sort of sniping at each other. But um, James Shaw, after all that, has said, oh, well, we'd only go into government with New Zealand First again if we really had to. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's not really a very strong position, is it? So what is it? Like, um, if they were in their position, they'd, they'd be in, in the tent with them. So yeah. where, where does that kind of leave you? It's a bit of a, bit of a phony war, really, isn't there, at the moment, with, with um, Winston Peters and James Shaw um, claiming the, the, that each other are, you know, the problem in the government. But both of them would, would sign up again if they would. given the chance, don't you think, Scott? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and in some ways for Labour, isn't it better to have another party to blame um, when you don't want to introduce some some type of policy that might be a little bit controversial? And and maybe that's why you have uh, Winston and, and New Zealand First sitting at the table, because oh, it was their fault that we couldn't get it across the line. Well, I've suggested um, that to a few MPs recently, saying that, you know, if... if um you know, why not use the John Key strategy of having the Maori Party and Act and United Future, right? So you can kind of play them off a little bit. And they're like, you know what? New Zealand First is so hard, we wouldn't even want to. So, yeah. I, I, what I, about ACT? Because they, they, they're polling very well, right? God, they, they David are, Seymour's done a good back. strategy, hasn't he? you got to say. It's about 3%, I think, was the last poll. Yeah, for, 3. Yeah, for, for ACT. And well, they were a 5 in the coma. In the coma, yeah. 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 So, so is, it, is it his profile raised through the... Twerking. No, <laughs> well, no, no, that's not where my head went. I, 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 um, I've been too much time on uh, YouTube. Yeah, through, through his um, end-of-life choice bill. Indeed. No, I, I, to be honest, I think actually it's both because he, he did it really cleverly. At the start, well out from election... He raised his profile with Dancing with the Stars, and then he got serious. And you're right. The, the, yeah, and now he's, he's also a beneficiary of some of the vote bleeding from the from the centre right, um, from from national. They've done that thing too that that, that minor parties um, do sort of reach for, which is to graft on some special interest group. And he's gone for the gun lobby. I can see it strategically uh, working because it can bolt on a few, you know, quite a few thousand votes um, for a single issue cause. Problem comes is when you actually have to um, meld those two things together. United. 
future tried it uh, uh, at one point where they had the hunters and fishers. They had yeah, the... and they had a ten eighty group, and there was some <laughs> um, you know some some ones who was supporting New New Zealanders and the immigration front yes. and that sort of thing. They grafted on a whole bunch of stuff, and it, and it and it tends to. Um, tends to run into problems down the line. But to be fair to act, though, this, it's been consistent. You can draw a line through choice and freedom kind of arguments through those groups. Yep. And so, you know, ideologically, yeah. he's, he's yeah. holding his own. Yeah. Yep, yep. He's, um, he's, he's done well on that. And, and um, look, for a single um, MP, for a standalone MP, he's done pretty well at, uh, at, at keeping their profile up. All right, let's... Um... Let's um, pivot away from the parties and talk about COVID because, and the economy because, let's be honest, it is what the election is going to be about in any substantial and significant way. Um, all the parties are saying that the, you know, the debate they want to have, um, the policies that they're focusing on, the limitations they've got around what they're going to say is the fact that we are in this pandemic crisis at the moment globally. Um, what do you reckon, Scott? How, do, how does that change the, the campaign from anything you would have seen over the years? Uh, well, for me, it doesn't almost. It, it almost feels like we're not in a campaign, and 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 you know, yeah. given that it starts uh, later today, but um, it doesn't feel like a general uh, election campaign. This one just feels really strange, and and I wonder how much over the next sort of four to six weeks we are actually going to see traditional campaigning. Um, that September or the start of September, when the wage subsidy comes off. Uh, and we start to see the real impacts on the economy. Um, you know, the numbers that came out recently about the job um, statistics or the unemployment figures um, showing that, well, supposedly we're doing better than what we thought we were going to be doing. Um, I think there's a bit of a false economy at the moment. We almost seem to be trying to trick ourselves into things actually being better than what they are. What, you don't uh, believe it's 4% unemployment at the moment? <laughs> no, I, look, I, I, well, as a, business o- as a business owner, no, I don't. Because, no. um, you know, we've been through a restructure recently and I, I have um, eight fewer people in my staff than I did at the start of this year. Wow. So, and, and I'm probably one of the safer businesses in the, in the, um, uh, in the sector that I'm in. So I don't think I do. Mm. Well, and we've, so, we're, we're, so we're really setting ourselves up. That's what I was uh, oh. alluding to before. We, uh, don't you reckon we're setting ourselves up for... I don't know, just a real, a real shock, aren't we? Like um, we're both sitting... in a policy shock and a reality shock. You know, it's it's we're sitting in a life raft, and you know, it's about to burst. The the air's about to start coming out of it when, once the wage subsidies come off in September, and it's going to change. Yeah, and it's more than just the wage subsidy. Obviously, mm. that's staggered, so businesses will come off that through through September. There was also the freight contracts that the government put out was about three hundred and thirty million dollars, which was a significant part of Air New Zealand continuing to fly to bring freight back and forth, and was also helping businesses. Get getting their products offshore as well. Those contracts, that money is about to run out shortly too. And on the subject of the um, unemployment stats, when you have basically all the major banks coming out saying that headline figure is not worth the paper it is written on, yet you get a press release from the Minister of Finance and the Minister for Employment, Willie Jackson, crowing about an unemployment drop showing the government's plan to protect jobs and support protect jobs and support business is working yeah, there seems... is there is they're not reading the um, room very well in that respect and when you have such high figures of people who want more work yes but can't get it rising and a huge percentage of women 
who have yeah, been... It's extraordinary. 90% of the people who've lost their yeah, jobs in, are, in the pandemic. Are women. Oh, it's amazing. And, and that oh. is your response to it on the day. Yeah, they do, do risk looking like they're sort of uh, trying to gild the lily a bit. I'm also um, disappointed at the lack of strategy for re-engaging with the world. I'm not talking about advocating, you know, open slather borders or anything like that. But at some point, we're going to have to re-engage with the world, right? What I don't sort of see a strategy, um, unless I'm missing something, to, to really to really do that lo- longer term. Like, how do we come out of this bubble? It does feel like we're curling ourselves up and, you know, waiting for the election and saying, oh, just make sure everything's all right until then. I, I don't see a longer term um, strategy to, to re-engage and make up for those areas in the economy where... Um, we've really been smashed. And isn't it interesting that you have a former Labour Prime Minister who is, in essence, leading the charge on that? <laughs> Helen, Helen Clark putting out a discussion paper with others about how we open up to the rest of the world and what that plan might look like. Because in terms of tourism and students... Um, Scotty, I was in your part of the world a few days ago and I noticed... Um, Downtown in Tauranga, so many shops closed with lease signs and no life in there. Oh, the main street, Devonport Road, when you walk down there, you'll be lucky if you see a shop that's open. Uh, you're right. Almost every second shop at the moment has for lease on it. Mm. Uh, and and to be to be fair, um, the way that business operates has totally changed, and COVID has done that. So we, you know, we had uh, as an example in our staff, we would have um, 23, 24 people in an office building, whereas now I'm probably lucky if I've got six to eight people on any one given day who go into the office because. You can work at home. You can uh, work from from the back seat of your car at the moment on a on a computer on your laptop uh, on your phone doing a Zoom call to Australia or wherever it is. The world's changed in business, and I don't think that our traditional um, shop front that we're used to um, will come back anytime soon. And I think that's a confidence factor. And so, if you're a, a member of the public or a business and you're looking at that main street. You're thinking, oh my God, when's what's happened here? Mm. Um, it's almost yeah, uh, it's not so good. It's not so good if you're a coffee shop or you know whatever is it because you're not selling those those goods to people. I think um, you know all the flow and effects of people working from home. We have got to work through all that too. Um, I want to get on to. I just want to mention debt because I think it's something that's going to play out over the campaign. Yeah. So I'd like to get this into the first episode. Um, asked how quickly Labor would pay off the COVID debt. Um, Jacinda Ardern um, earlier this week stuck with Treasury forecasts about um, getting back at 20% of GDP in the 2050s sometime. But she went on to say this about National. The one thing I would say is I fundamentally disagree with the approach put up by the opposition. They are yet to tell us how they will uh, achieve their 30% target, which could mean up to $80 billion worth of cuts. And she doubled down um, a bit later in the same interview which is why I will not have the next generation pay through austerity measures. That means we are unwilling to support them into jobs and and making sure that they have income support through this period, which seems to be what the opposition is suggesting. Um, Yeah, so that was um, Jacinda Ardern talking about austerity cuts. Yeah, and that is super interesting because it comes down to she says, she says, doesn't it? Because Judith Collins says, "Uh uh-uh, no. Austerity is a thing of the past, an old concept. Well, let's listen to how Collins responded to that a day or two after. We're going to see 
our policies will be put out and unlike the leader of the Labour Party, I think it's important for people to know what the policies are before we vote. Might we see alterations in provision of services, uh, cuts in welfare, for instance? No, there won't be. Won't be at all? Very, no, there won't be. There won't be cuts in welfare. It's very important, and I just put that straight out there on the table. It's you... really important that people can have confidence that we're not going to leave them high and dry. That's a pretty clear response, but this is going to be a big debate, isn't it? Um... Yeah, I think um, Labor might be trying to, to, to do a sort of a reprise of Stephen Joyce's uh, fiscal hole <laughs> in 2017 um, by saying that the opposition, to meet their uh, debt track targets, would have to uh, slash public services. It's, it's an argument that will probably play quite well for Labor because National has trust issues on that front. Well, it's um, a bit like so it is. It's like National always saying, yeah, Labor's tax and spend, right. Labor's yeah. tax and, and spend, and, and it's and, never and, quite and, been and that and true. That's a and thing with this. That Stephen Joyce did, yeah. and politically it was it was a, it was pretty powerful, and it had it had them um, you know had them um, quaking for a while because people had this you know they had these doubts about uh, Labor's ability to to manage the finances that um, there was a latent doubt in the in the in the electorate there. I think that Grant Robertson's probably done a lot to to uh, to get rid of that and to build confidence for for Labor. And Scott um, has has has. Um, uh, has Labour, no, has National kind of painted themselves into a hole? This is because Paul Goldsmith has said he wants to get back to 20% of GDP debt by um, 2030-ish. Has, has he misstepped with that, do you think? Well, they haven't said that they're going to spend less, right? So, um, and if, you, if you've still got an economy, that, and they keep telling us that the economy is about to tank, um, so, and if the market's not going to be able to write itself, then the government has to come in and help, right? So, um, realistically, do we believe the idea that you can't, that they're not going to have cuts? Well, obviously, no tax cuts. I can't see that coming anytime soon. Um, but I, I think he's, they need to be careful on the debt side. Do, do people really care about that? And maybe I'm um, going to cause a whole bunch of issues with politicos at the moment. But uh, is the debt focus for us at the moment the problem uh, as a business owner as somebody out in the regions i'm happy for us to have a bit of debt to figure out over the next three especially, years especially with it. interest rates at you know two percent what is go- what are governments borrowing at, at the less moment? than one it must be is yeah. It? yeah less than one okay yeah. so yeah i mean no one wants to be at 50 percent of gdp but it's um which is where we're tracking but but as as scott says i mean still the lowest it, in the oecd it's it's low comparative to others um but but good on national for wanting a, a, a Target. I think. I think. But they've let, also let, but backed off that target. Yeah. They've also backed it's off that target. Yeah. <laughs> <Which is laughs> so, so Judith Collins has taken her foot off that accelerator yeah, yeah. and and yeah. has come out and is troubleshooting it clearly yeah. and has said. Yeah. It is an aspirational yeah, which is, target. Which is what you say when you're not going to meet it, right? That's right. Uh, and I, th- I think we heard that with Kiwi Build a bit, didn't we? <laughs> That's right. Do you remember that? That's hey, right. Well, are we in this sort of funny world of where we're not hearing the leaders' names? Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, It's yeah. the leader of the Labour yeah. Party and, and the National Party Shall leader. Shall I call are you the caucus member from Tauranga? <laughs> <laughs> um, let's, um, let's talk about culture. We've done the three C's, haven't we? <laughs> so, you know, the campaign, and, and COVID, COVID. Yeah. let's go to um, culture. culture. Yeah, well, look, there's been a lot, bunch of valedictories this week of people raising questions about um, quite how hard it is to be in Parliament. And, and you know, we've seen a bunch of um, MPs falling over and getting um, caught out um, in, in recent weeks. Character is going to, and that's the other C, character is going to be part of this campaign, whether it becomes, whether it's much talked about now, I think it's it's sitting there underlying um, 
how people view the parties right now. There's not a huge, you know, people don't love MPs and think they're the paragons of virtue. So what impact does this have um, on how people actually engage? Do we think turnout gets gets hurt? And we, do we think the culture is seriously sick? I think, um, you know, we, we go through bouts of this, don't we, um, when there are scandals. And it's a bit of a, it's a bit of, the media tries to have it both ways in some ways. I mean, we, we, we're eager to report on them because they're interesting, salacious stories. And then there's a, a sort of uh, a pining about whether or not we've we've lost our way. Um, so, yeah, we had a spate of them um, in, in, in one hit, but is it really that much different than it's it has a village. been in the past? I it's mean, a village. I mean, Parliament is a village. So in any village, there's going to be a percentage of people who encounter problems. Um, and It's also a very particular and intense, combative village. And is the culture of this village needing some serious overhaul? I think, um, well, obviously they've signed up to this new agreement, right, right. around... Um, code of conduct. Code of conduct. So that's a first step. Whether it's actually enforced and whether it applies outside of the environs of, of Parliament, yeah, I mean, you know, like on the those, campaign those, trail where things start yeah, to get a bit down and dirty. Codes of conduct. I mean, everyone knows um, the appropriate ways to behave and there's enough rules there. I, I don't think that signing up to a code of conduct is going to make but, any I mean, difference at all. You, Guyan and Scott, you've, you know, you've been in the gallery, you've been out on campaign trails, you've seen the late night, you know, um, drinking and relationships and all that kind of stuff. I mean, is it, is it distinctive? Is it difficult? Is it, you know, a, something of a bygone era? Um, I, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Stays on tour, right? Seen a few of them, yeah. And and Lisa's right, it is a village. But uh, what what the difference, I guess, we have now is that the village is all around us as well too, though, right? And so Mm. we're on show, the politicians are on show everywhere they go now, um, whether it's somebody standing there with a, a, a cell phone taking video for Facebook and the likes. You know, 10, 15 years ago, that wouldn't have happened. You know, they didn't have that type of public eye on them constantly. And it's really easy for the politicians, and some of them have this week um, pointed barbs at uh, at the media for for the media being the problem and the way that the media are reporting. And I think there's some fairness in that. But the balance is those, if you don't put yourself in those late night drinking sessions and uh, under the bed sheets, then you're not going to be on the front page of the newspaper the next day. So... And you know, to, MPs have a responsibility themselves as well. And it's about whether it's relevant to your position. And I think we have seen that in terms of Ian Lee's Galloway, who in his valedictory speech acknowledged that the behaviour he had um, participated in might have been acceptable some time ago, but was no longer acceptable. Mm. So he he saw the crossover in terms of the um, imbalance of power by having a relationship with someone who was connected to his office. That becomes something that, in my view, should be reported on because of those implications. If he was simply having an affair, and I make no moral judgment on that, but if he was simply having an affair, where's the relevance in reporting that? 
So there are there and are the prime some minister clear was very, lines. The prime minister was very careful around the reason for for her loss of confidence in him was exactly the relationship, not the affair itself. Um, and so yes, there is a hope there perhaps that we haven't crossed a line into the American style. What it was, was to be talked about the American style politics, where morality. Um, unless will, you campaign can, on it, yeah. unless you campaign on it and say that your policies are driven by your um, your beliefs, your belief system, yep. and then you lay yourself open to um, further inquiry as to whether you are walking the talk. But I have to say, clear currents. Um, speech and it's just made the hair on the back of my neck stand up again. Mm. <laughs> I, I, I think that that was, well, I don't know. What did you think, Tim? Well, shall we play the clip from, um, from Claire Curran, which probably was one of the most affecting moments? And yes, there was a moment when I counted the number of sleeping pills I had. Thankfully, I sought help instead. I mean, that's awful. You know, no, there's there's nothing good about that in terms of a of a culture when a when a person, you know, feels that that they're looking for a an ultimate way out. So, and we also had Jamie Lee Ross um, yep. making similar kinds of um, noises. Um, Todd Muller's given up dream of a lifetime because of his mental health. Yeah, I think Claire Curran summed it up quite well when she said to the media, your mandate derives from the citizens of this country. Please use it um, maturely, you know. So as long as there's... And when you... There was a survey this morning about people's attitudes to Ian Lee's Galloway losing his job, and 70... I think it was about 70% said that was the right position. So there's a mandate to ask questions about his expenditure, whether any of that was used to sustain the affair. Now... We have to say he's denied that's the case. And the Prime Minister said preliminary advice is, no, he didn't use any any um, uh, resources, um, parliamentary resources, to sustain the affair. So there is a mandate to inquire after that. She's right when she says, you know, the citizens are behind you to a certain extent. That's what gives you the licence to be probing and asking questions. Don't use that licence, yeah. cro- lose it by crossing the, the line. One, the one point I'd make in defence of the media, and I don't disagree with anything that, that any of you have said um, in terms of our responsibilities, but um, some of these stories are there because politicians are playing games with each other oh, and treating course. each other and badly. Actually in Clear Curran's case, and, and, and <clears throat> can I start by saying how, how, how I mean, deeply... Um, sad it is that she felt in that way yeah. and I would not downplay that for a second and, and anyone in that situation is, is and should uh, be seeking advice and help and support but she came under scrutiny um, and ended up losing her job over an issue that, that was serious it was about um, transparency, it was about clearly in the public interest, it was yep. about whether she had been honest in her dealings with um, influential players in her industry, these were le- legitimate stories that were pursued strongly by the media and ultimately it was up to the Prime Minister about whether she continued to serve a- in the ministry and, and the Prime Minister decided not to now, um, yep, there would have been some, some ridicule in the house and y- you know, that they, they do go after people when, when they are struggling mm. but the material fact as to why she was under scrutiny were, in my view, valid. Absolutely. Do not disagree with that at all. And, and, and what, Yes, Scotty? What, what sort of uh, culture on the campaign are we expecting? Uh, is it, are we going to be kind to each other, do you think? Is it, uh, or is it a shock and awe type Every campaign? Every party leader has promised a, a kind and considerate campaign. 
Yeah, well, it's, it's, <laughs> a it's, factual it's, one would be good. A factual one based on evidence and information well, would be excellent. Yeah, it would be interesting. I mean, that's obviously um, Jacinda Ardern's brand, if you like. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see whether Judith Collins, whether she tries to prick that bubble at all. Uh, you know, it's risky, isn't it? What do you do? You're behind, so you want to take some risks, but do you risk... Um, you know, um, coming across as mean-spirited by really having a crack at the PM. That'll we, be interesting. We, we, let's just very briefly end on national because we didn't really get into national much when we were talking about the parties. Um, what is, how does Collins come from, whether she's late 20s or mid-30s, whatever poll you believe, how does she get back into fours? Well, she, she, she's gone back to traditional messages. And in fact, I think that was one of her comments in the first day of her leadership, that some of their base may have thought the party had lost its way a little bit. And she was basically yeah. hauling the flock back in, if yep. you like. Even if you look at their campaign um, messaging in billboards, strong team, more jobs, better economy. It's just you, a... Sorry. You you well you, you wouldn't die wondering what they're campaigning on. No, but it's also probably the worst or just about the worst set of words you'd potentially want. Strong team. Um well we've lost a whole bunch of them. Um better economy. Oh well actually I mean this is most one of the fascinating things that, that in the past couple of weeks. That news hub, one of the sub polls in the news hub set laser set of polls, which party do you most trust to run the economy from now on through and after COVID? Now I was sitting there going, Okay, it'll it'll have evened up a bit, right? Because National always wins that that vote. It'll have evened up. Labour under Ardern, 62%. National under Collins, 26%. That's phenomenal for, for National, the party of the economy, to be half the economic trust of Labour. That's, and, and their billboard is a reminder that they're there for the economy, and then they don't have the trust. Well, it's been a train wreck, hasn't it? I mean, it's, honestly, I mean, when you've when you've got three leaders in election year, I mean, it's a, and you lose, and you've lost MPs with multiple scandals. I mean, not even an election year in the same number of months. Well, yeah, probably so three leaders. I mean, it, it's po- yeah, that's right. So it, that 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 that's going to be pretty hard to come back from. But, you know, on the upside for National, um, Judith Collins has done all right so far. You know, mm. if, if you're looking at uh, how they're trying to at least, um, you know, get back into some, get back into the game, if you like. Um, she's they, they lost they lost their base, though, right? And, and Simon Bridges did a, you know, a, a job of holding that position for a little while. And, um, uh, and but they lost that base, that core national base. But also they lost that swing voter in the middle that just loved John Key, uh, and, and who were who were quite happy to vote for the the smile and wave and the populist sort of um, leader of the country. And Jacinda Ardern's picking that up. Yeah. And you've got people now who are national voters who are looking at voting Labour. I think one of the the, the difficulties for national as well too is they're boxing with shadows. It's one thing to say we need a stronger economy. And then this week we've had unemployment numbers come out that have shocked everybody, whether or not they're right or not. Um, But it's really hard for them to say the economy's tanking when things don't necessarily feel like that. Um, the reality of and you can blame happen. it on something that is so much and exactly what but what key benefited from all those years he was when there was other economic struggles he could say well look at the world uh, Adun can say the same thing we, you know she, well, the world. it is interesting that we're seeing a softer side of Judith Collins though and and um, you know very quickly she can turn back yeah, into so the crush well, she's, she's quite last. nuanced though you know so yeah. it, it, it's um, she's not one dimensional so it will be interesting to see how she handles herself which, in the campaign which Judith Collins we see yeah. I think you also have to remember that three of 
of us in Caucus live in the country's biggest city. And Scotty, you're down in the um, BOP. And I think when you leave Auckland, you get a different take from people about how they see the economy. And a number of them in some smaller places when we've been out doing, you know, what we call vox pops in the business, just a a, a quick grab or a soundbite from people on the street. They have serious, serious concerns about the economy, their future, about being able to put food on the table and pay the bills. How could you not? Let's put it on the agenda for next caucus. Exactly. That's been a um, a, a good, a long but detailed and good start to the season. Hey, thanks, guys. Scott Campbell. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me, team. I'm looking forward to the next six weeks. Game on. <laughs> Game on. All right, we'll be back uh, next Thursday um, with more from Caucus. Uh, Lisa, Guy and Tim and Scott. Right, and if you want to uh, keep listening to Caucus right through uh, to the election and maybe a little bit afterwards, um, we'll be up on the RNZ website every Thursday as quick as we can after we record this on Thursday mornings. Um, You can subscribe there and you can also, of course, get Caucus on any of your favourite podcast apps, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next week. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.